What was that game all about? What do you think that game was about? Ethan. Trust. Trust, excellent, yeah. Anything else? Anything else? What, what was really important? What did you need to do in that game? Listen. Yes, excellent, you had to listen. You had to listen. Anything else? <coughs> After you listened, what did you need to do? Follow instructions. Fantastic, you had to like follow instructions, you had to obey what the person said, because if you didn't, you may have fallen down the stairs, or you may have um, you know, not scored the goal, or not gone through the hoops or anything. And you know what, it's really important as we, uh, as we grow in our relationship with God, as we grow in knowing who God is, to listen to what God has to say. And in the Bible it says, uh, Jesus says that he only does what he hears his, his, his dad, his father God, only hears what he, sorry again, uh, Jesus says that he only does what God asks him to do. And so if we look in the Bible, we see that Jesus does all of these great things, he loves people. He cares for people. He um, shows love for people. He helps people when they're in need. And you know what? As, as Christians, we can do that today. and We can do that in school today. We can love people. We can care for people. We can ask um, if anybody needs any help as well. So a good question for you. When you're at school next week or when you come back from half term, how can you be the same as Jesus in school? You can love people. You can um, maybe sit next to somebody at school, in the, in the dinner hall or at lunchtime, um, that maybe maybe sitting on their own, maybe you can sit with them and go, how can I love that person? How can I care for that person? And quite rightfully, I think it was Esther that said, uh, the second thing in that game was that you needed to, to follow the instructions. You needed to, what's known as obeying, it's, it's kind of like following instructions. And it's really important as well that we, um, it says in the Bible that we should um, honour our mother and father. And that means that we should listen to what our mum and dad does, and to respond to what our mum and dad does as well. What ways can you uh, love your mum and dad and show that you love your mum and dad? What ways do you reckon you can do that? Help them. Help them, excellent. How can you help them? Practically, how can you help them? If your bedroom's really messy, what could you do? Tidy it. Fantastic, what a great answer. Anything else, yep? Clean the dishes. You could do the dishes. I did not do the dishes when I was younger. My mum still constantly reminds me today that I didn't do the dishes. Anything else? What else could you do to, to show that your mum and dad that you love them and that you care for them? Um, Miriam doesn't go to sleep, so you go to sleep by yourself. Excellent. You could go to sleep by yourself, or you could go to sleep at the time that you asked to go to sleep. Or you can just ask them, how are you? Is how are you? You know, tell them that you love them. Tell them that you care for them as well. Fantastic. So what we're going to do, uh, we're going to sing a little bit of a song now, which is all about how we can be more like Jesus and how we, both at school and at home, how we can um, love and care for people and help people as well. Okay, a question for you as we start. Batman versus Superman came out last week or the week before. Question for you, what is your favourite superhero and why is it your favourite superhero? So what is your favourite, or who is your favourite superhero, and why is it your favourite superhero? Hands up, I'll come round with the mic, and then everyone can hit, oh. I think I heard something there, but I'm a bit confused, so I'm going to... Uh, My favourite superhero is Gromit, of Wallace and Gromit. Excellent, I thought I heard Gromit. Wallace and Gromit, anything else? Yeah. Iron Man. Iron Man, and why is Iron Man your favourite superhero? Because he's 
because he's just normal until he puts the seat on. Oh, very good, very good. We'll have uh, these last two. Thank you. The Hulk. Because he's super strong. The Hulk is super strong, excellent. And Superman, because he can fly. I think Superman's one of my favourite. I've got a few superheroes here. You might uh, notice them. There's the first one. That's uh, Batman, looking very, very handsome, I have to say. And uh, and Robin. Spider-Man, looking very, very good there. Captain America. Oh, thanks very much, that's all I'm doing today. <laughs> We have Wolverine. I think we've got one more. We've got Superman. We have Superman. <laughs> it quite suits it, doesn't it? Excellent. Okay, so... I'm just going to leave that up there. Excellent, so... The thing about all superheroes is that... Whether it be Spider-Man or Captain America or Wolverine or Superman, it's quite rightly been said, most of them beforehand were one thing and then something happened and they became another thing. Bruce Wayne, for example, before becoming Batman, uh, he descends it down into the Batcave, he gets on his outfit, he jumps into his car and suddenly he's Batman. His deep voice comes, he's really cool, he becomes Batman. Clark Kent... On the other hand, he used to watch it every morning when I was growing up on BBC Two. Clark Kent, he whizzes around in his uh, telephone box. He suddenly goes from being an uh, ordinary uh, newspaper reporter, quite shy, quite um, geeky in a way, to uh, like the ultimate superhero that we've heard today, Superman, the one that can fly. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, what I see to be two superheroes in the Bible. It's Paul and it's Ananias. And it's not because they have any special powers. I've read the Bible, they can't fly, but they have had, both had, uh, quite drastic changes that happened in their lives, um, and we're going to be looking at that as well. And the funny thing is, they both have two stories, they both have two testimonies, but they're so different, and that's what I love about this as well, and that's what we're going to be looking at. So, if you have a Bible, will you turn to, it's Acts 9, and we're starting from uh, verse 1. And you may notice in your Bible, it might have a, a bit of bold in the subheading that's called Saul's Conversion. Uh, but we'll also be looking at um, the story of Ananias as well, which, um, in a way, Ananias is a bit of an unsung hero, and we're going to see a little bit why in a little bit. So, Acts 9, verse 1. So, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. 
The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, did not eat and did not drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand onto him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Excellent. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at both and see what we can learn from those two uh, this morning as well. So the first one is Saul. Now, a lot of people have probably heard of Saul, and it's a story you've probably heard quite a bit of. Maybe you've done it in Sunday school, or you've done it growing up, or you've studied this passage quite a bit. So we might know a little bit about Saul, but just as a bit of a recap, or in case you're not sure, we'll just go through a little bit. Firstly, he was approving of the death of Christians. He was delighting in seeing Christians die. And while others were like mourning and being upset, Saul was celebrating, he was rejoicing. He was going from house to house, um, putting people of the way. Um, it says in verse uh, verse 2, uh, pe- pe- people of the way, that is us, that's Christians, following the way, the truth, and the life. Um, he was going from house to house, putting them away, and into prison. And we meet here in chapter 9, right at the start, he was breathing out murderous threats. So his attitude hadn't changed much. And he was also, um, if you flick back to Acts 7, he was there at the um, the stoning of of Stephen, the apostle. Because it says, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. So we know know already that Saul is round and about and that that he's not a big fan of Christians. And Saul wanted to put to death Christianity. He wanted to stone them. He wanted to wipe Christianity from the planet. Um, And in fact, he's so convinced... Um, of this mission uh, that he's travelled where he lives in Jerusalem, which is there, my shaky hand, um, right up to Damascus, which is there. So it's a little bit of a far journey. It would probably be about 150 miles. So this isn't just a, I'm going to pop to, you know, to Neto and I'm going to do something. It's, it's a real 150 mile. He was really committed about this journey. So what on earth happened? What on earth happened to to Saul on that journey that made him change? He had a complete 180. He had a set idea. He had a set intention. 
and he met with God, he met with Jesus, and his life would be changed completely. Because Saul, he was stopped by the grace of God. It's such a change, it's such a conversion, it's such an incredible story. You know, he'd expected to walk into Damascus to round up and imprison Christians. He probably would have been feeling quite confident. He would have been feeling quite uh, important, quite proud of himself, full of his own importance. But what happened on the road was that he, he met with Jesus, you know, and then he, as a result, he, he was shaken, he was changed, he was broken. He was, he was kind of helpless, you know, he needed, he needed his friends to help him to get from where he was. Um, into Damascus as well. He'd met with Jesus and it had changed. So much so that we see later on that he got baptized. This is somebody that was, you know, was trying to, to persecute Christians. Going from that to getting baptized. We had baptisms last week. It was amazing to see. This man saw the same thing had happened to him. And I wonder, when I was reflecting on this, I wonder what we would do or what we would think Saul deserved. You know, in in verse 3, it says, by persecuting the church, actually persecuting me. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting my people? Not why are you persecuting the church? It's why are you persecuting me? And if there's one man to feel angry, surely it's Jesus, the very man that had, had been put to death, that rose to life three days later, and he was persecuting him and his people. Surely this powerful risen Jesus would want to crush Saul. Surely, you know, he would want to do something. Yeah, he doesn't. And we know he doesn't. He does the complete unexpected. You know, he shows Saul his love. He shows Saul his compassion. And, you know, as, as we're moving on, you know, this passage, it teaches so much about God's grace. It shows us that there's more love in God. There's more compassion in God. There's more forgiveness in God. There's more hope in God than there is sin in Saul. There's more sin in us. There's more compassion, more love, and more grace from God. You see, God doesn't want to condemn Saul. He wants to shape him and change him. And likewise, he wants to do the same with us here today and every day. It's just an amazing life-changing moment when you look at Saul. And you know, when I was younger, um, and I said this in the baptism prep course, when I was younger, when I was thinking about my, excuse me, when I was thinking about my testimony, and I was thinking about how, how I became a Christian and the moments that God changed my life, I used to think, oh man, I wish I had a road to Damascus experience. I wish I had this amazing experience where I was suddenly changed, where this amazing thing happened. But, but I didn't have a story as like, like Saul, yet God still used me and God still uses us as well. And you know, sometimes it's amazing to hear these stories. Of, uh, last week we heard um, of a few people that said, I came to church from a very young age. I went to church for a long time. And I'm still going to church now. What an incredible testimony that is. What an incredible story that is. The faithfulness to stay with it. Absolutely fantastic. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at uh, the next character, which is Ananias. And I've read this passage a few times, and I've always focused on Saul. And I've, no- I've kind of noticed Ananias, but not really um, noticed him enough. And when I was reading this time, preparing for today, I thought, wow, this man is pretty amazing. See, we don't really know much about him. Um, Saul, who became Paul, as we know, uh, mentioned a little bit later in Acts that um, he was a devout observer of the Lord. He was of the law. He was highly respected by the Jews living there. That's in verse 12 of Acts 22. 
And this account of Ananias, it's a little bit different to Saul. Because while Saul felt very confident, we're saying before, felt quite very important uh, before meeting Jesus, we see Ananias questioning a call from God. If you look with me at verse um, 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. You know, imagine that. Imagine God asking you to do something like what Ananias is being asked to do. I don't know about you, but I'd be a bit like, me? You want me to go to Saul? Have you not heard what he's been doing? Are you mad? Maybe I'd be questioning God. I'd be questioning the call that God had. I don't think that's right. I think you may have got it wrong. You know, I know you all know in God, but let me tell you a little bit about Saul, a little bit about what he's done, because, you know, maybe you forgot. It's very likely that Ananias would have known what Saul was up to. It's likely that he probably would have feared him. And I'm sure the last thing he would have wanted to do was to go anywhere near him, let alone enter a house and to pray for him, to welcome him in, to embrace him, to baptize him, maybe. Question, what would we have done in that situation? You know, so many times God might ask us to do something and the question we might be, but it doesn't seem right or, but what, what if, what if I've got the calling wrong or what, what if it's not the right thing? You know, it's risky. It's dangerous. Let's tell you a little bit of a story. Once when I was uh, getting my hair cut a few years ago, um, the, the hairdresser or the barber at the time was, was chatting away to me and he went, oh, so what do you do? It's time when I was working with you for Christ. I thought, well, <laughs> how do I explain this? So I was thinking, okay, so I went, I, I, work, I work for a charity called Youth for Christ. He heard the word Christ and he went off. He wasn't happy. He went on and on and on. And I felt like God said to me that I just needed to tell him, do you know what? God really loves you. And I know you're frustrated with him right now, but God really loves you. And I blew it. I didn't tell him. I was too scared, too nervous. And I felt horrible about it. You know, I felt awful about it. But I trust that God will use somebody else to do that. You know, sometimes God calls us to do stuff which might be scary. It might mean that we have to step out of our comfort zone. But if we're to believe what it says in the Bible, if we're to believe the truth in the Bible, that God is with us, that God is for us, then we don't need to fear. And I pray that I'll be able to meet him. In fact, the barbershop's closed down, but I pray that I'll be able to meet him at some point in the future. So what do we see with, um, with God's response? He says in verse 15, go. There's no like side note, it's just the word go. You know, it's an echo of uh, John 28, where, um, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And we see with Ananias that um, he's such a devout man that he goes. I'm sure it wouldn't have been easy. I'm sure he probably didn't want to, but he went. He had a 180 moment. He had his, he was concerned. He wasn't really sure. He met with God and he went. And, you know, you can look at that and go, his story wasn't as drastic as Saul's. It wasn't as incredible moment. But what a, what a moment of testimony, what a moment of saying, I was obedient to God and I went. You know, before he wasn't too sure. And afterwards, he was about to commission Saul to become probably one of the greatest evangelists um, ever. And I always think, oh, if it wasn't for Saul and all the sacrifices that he did, Maybe we wouldn't be here today. Maybe the early church wouldn't have grown the way it did. 
But also you can say, if it wasn't for Ananias being obedient to God, maybe Saul, maybe Saul wouldn't have got his sight back. Maybe. You know, Acts, Acts 9, it shows the power of God. It shows us that when we spend time in God's presence, our lives can be changed. It teaches us the importance of being obedient to God, just like Ananias was. And likewise, we don't know what impact our obedience to God can make on his kingdom. You know, our small steps of obedience, the small things that we do and the big things can make a huge impact on God's kingdom. You know, I wonder if Ananias questioned, um, what, what the, the, you know, because God said to him, go and um, I've, I've given Saul a, a vision and etc. And I wonder if Ananias was like, yeah, but maybe you've got it wrong or maybe I'm the wrong Ananias or maybe, maybe I've, I've got this wrong, maybe I've not heard from God. But actually he went. You know, it's so important as Christians that we're listening to what God has called us to do and to trust in him and to do it. Of course, question. If you feel like God's calling to do something, ask other people, ask people to pray for you, question it. But above all, go and do it because you'll make a massive impact in God's kingdom. And you know, God, he might be calling us to do something this morning, um, which might, you know, it might be something that we would never imagine. It may be something that we might struggle with without his help. But we can see from Acts 9 that he can and he will change situations in our lives and in other people's lives as well. You know, it may be that God wants to change the situation, 180 in our, in, our, in our life, maybe something, maybe a mind shift, maybe a situation, maybe a friendship. You know, it may, it may be that at the moment you're just in a really difficult place and God is just calling you to be obedient, just to, to, just to trust in him and to allow him to, to carry you through this difficult time. But it might be something like God's calling you to forgive somebody that you're really struggling to forgive or to spend time with somebody at work. You know, we were talking before in the first talk about how you can be Jesus to uh, people at work, Jesus to people at school, at college. Maybe God's calling us to do, to do that, to, to maybe to sacrifice time, sacrifice pride, sacrifice our money. You know, I just want to encourage us as a church today to be like Ananias. You know, first of all, he was willing to listen to God's call. Notice in verse, in verse 10, yes, Lord, it was an immediate response when God called. You know, are we spending time with God? Are we spending time with God in our, in our daily devotions? Are we listening to God, willing to hear from him? Verse 17, as we've looked at, he was obedient to God's call. Verse 17, then Ananias went. And finally, see, you know, Ananias loved those that he met. He loved his enemies. Verse 17, notice he calls Saul brother. You know, this very person that could potentially have harmed him, he's called him brother. He's accepted him into the church family. You know, what a challenge for us. I know with me, it's so easy to, excuse me, accept people into our, into our church life that we, we get on with or that we're friends with. But what a challenge it is to accept people that maybe might be different to us might have different views to us. You know, maybe, maybe a difficult person or, or something about their past is difficult. You know, Acts 9, it shows the work of God moving and changing in his people. But today, in 2016, God continues to do work in our lives. He continues to change us. 
through his Holy Spirit, he's continually to move in every situation that we allow him to move in. And he wants to do a good work in our life today as well. And I just really feel like asking that question to me and to you. Are we being obedient to God today? Are we reading his word and are we responding to his word? Are we loving those that we meet? Are we actively listen, listening to God's call? I was wondering if the worship band could come up. That'd be good. I really felt like, uh, as, the, as the band come up and start to play, I really felt it was really important today to finish with allowing time just to give a testimony, just to give a time to really share what God's been doing in our lives. And it might be a massive thing. So it might be like Saul. It's like this incredible thing happened and now I'm, and, and now I'm moving with God. Or it might be, do you know what? The other day, I asked, um, I asked God for help in this situation. I asked God for peace in this situation. And I felt really peaceful. Two incredible stories, two incredible testimonies. It, it might be that. I just want to encourage you, if you have a short testimony about how God's been working in your life or in somebody that you know, it'd be really great to hear it. Um, so after this next song, um, if you can just be prepared to share that, and then I'm going to hand over to John, and John's going to bring the, the mic around. And please feel free to share if there's something on your heart. You know, today we've seen um, God's faithfulness through Saul. We've seen his grace, and we've seen that God's been faithful, um, and that Ananias has been obedient. And as a result, God has been faithful to his obedience as well. So we're going to sing uh, Amazing Grace. I'm just going to pray if that's okay, and then we'll sing Amazing Grace. Father God, we thank you that you give us your word, Lord, and we can learn from your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the, the sacrifices of many as we read, Lord. We thank you for Saul who became Paul, and we thank you for Ananias, and we thank you for others, Lord, that because of them and because of their sacrifices, we're able to know your word, and we're able to grow um, in love for you. And God, I just pray today that you will just move in our lives. Lord, that we will experience you afresh next week. Lord, as if we're resting on holiday or if we're at work. Lord, wherever we may be, Lord, I just pray for God moments this week. Lord, that you will speak to us and that we can exercise an opportunity to be obedient to you. Amen.